black people. So good to see everybody. And I hope everybody's doing good. I hope you're doing well. And um, I am uh, just making notes because um, because today I want to talk about something that I think is uh, an interesting topic, uh, maybe a little sensitive for some people, but I think it's something that we want to think about and we want to be aware of. And, uh, and, and if you want to know where I get my podcast topics from, I literally get them from God. I get them from God. Um, and I say that because I go to sleep and uh, last night I went and I did something that, uh, that a 50 year old man has to be very careful about. And I went and played basketball with, uh, our son who's, you know, like six foot seven and, and, uh, and our daughter who's, uh, also taller than me, I'm, I'm the bonus dad. So they, they, uh, they, they, they got their uh, biological dad's, uh, genetics, but these, these are my kids and I love them. And, and, uh, me and their dad work together to give them the best life we possibly can. So <clears throat> we were playing basketball. And, uh, and I got home and I was sore and I was tired, but I had a lot of fun and, um, and I went to sleep, right? I went to sleep. I took a shower and, and, uh, I, I, you know, ate some, some Chinese food my wife bought and I went to sleep and, uh, in my, while I was sleeping, literally that, that, that was like when this topic came to me and this is how I literally do my podcast every day. <clears throat> I literally go to bed every day, not knowing what I'm going to talk about the next day or what's going to happen. And, uh, and I like it that way because it tells me that it's coming from my soul. Uh, it's coming from a higher power. It's coming from my subconscious. Uh, it's coming from a metaphysical space. And, uh, and that is, um, that's literally how I operate. I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, us mathematicians and whatnot, you know, my background's in finance and mathematics. <clears throat> Sometimes we think that we can only lean on logic and facts and all this other stuff. And that's important. I think that's, those things are extremely important. Don't get me wrong. But I think also, I think with black people, that melanin you got makes you a little bit special. I think that melanin gives you a little bit of a, like an antenna uh, to connect to the world. That's where my, my, my uh, shout out to my friends like Red Pill, Blue Pill and others and Queen of Fua and, and uh, people like that that really helped me understand that Black Dot, <clears throat> I love Black Dot, you know, a lot of other folks out here. But anyway, so that's where it's going, uh, coming from. Uh, do me a favor, shout out what city you're from. I like to see what, what city uh, you guys are coming from. Hello, Inspire, Inspireon, how are you? Uh, let's see here. Elijah says, finally caught you live. I met you in Baltimore in 2015. Wow. I remember Baltimore in 2015. I remember Baltimore and I remember 2015. Uh, those were both, that was a good year and a good place. I went back to Baltimore this year. They have a great black wall street out there. And uh, I encourage everybody who's interested to take a look at what they got popping out there in Baltimore. Great city, great people. Um, you know, not everything in Baltimore is copacetic, but you know, but, but the black folks in Baltimore are really on it. And I have a lot of respect for that. So anyway, uh, give me a yes or no. Um, uh, I'm going to start with today's conversation with the premise. Uh, I see Newport News in Cincinnati and Aiken, South Carolina and Houston. I see all of y'all in Lawrenceville, Georgia, uh, et cetera. I, I want to acknowledge that. Um, so how many of you, give me a yes or no. How many of you uh, have wondered why black people don't own a professional sports league? Uh, give me a yes or no. How many of you have ever kind of sat back and said, hmm, I wonder why white people own all the uh, important uh, economic assets in this country. Uh, how many of you have ever just kind of thought about it and said, you know, maybe we could do better. Maybe we can own more. Maybe we can uh, create more. Maybe we can, uh, you know, have, have more say in, in things like sports. Um, and I asked you that question because I asked, I, I, I asked myself that question a lot. Um, if you think about uh, it, it last night, remember last night in the book club, which you can check out if you go to boycewalkins.com, the book club, uh, you, you can join live sessions for free. 
we've been reading, uh, you know, and going through Black Labor, White Wealth by Dr. Claude Anderson, which you can, by the way, get a copy of Powernomics.com. It's called Black Labor, White Wealth. And uh, in Black Labor, White Wealth, Dr. Anderson talks about how Black Labor has been the uh, foundation of most of the wealth that exists in America, that literally your labor, your talent, your skill has literally been the thing that has helped uh, people get rich and make money and things like that. And I know Ice Cube has a professional sports league. I'm friends with Ice Cube and uh, the Big Three League. Shout out to the Big Three. I think the Big Three is a good start. But I, I, I really find it fascinating, just speaking on Ice Cube, now that I'm thinking about it, I find it fascinating that he's kind of, it seems like he's kind of the only one out there. He's kind of the lone ranger on this. And um, and also, I don't know how much uh, of a percentage Ice Cube owns and the black community owns versus, you know, these other outside investors, things like that. I, I'm not here to speak on his business. I don't know any of that. But 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 here's the thing. Um, I've always wondered about this, because if you if you look at books like Black Labor, White Wealth, uh, which you can actually find at, at Dr. Claude Anderson's website, uh, Powernomics.com, you'll find that a lot of the uh, the economic prowess of the United States was built on black labor and black talent. That black people, without you, without your your hard work, without your labor, without your ancestors, uh, America could not be what it is right now, right? And uh, and what happens is that America is a country filled with traditions, lots of interesting traditions. And one of those traditions is that uh, you know America still makes the, a big chunk of its wealth off the labor of black people. And uh, and I think when you talk about professional athletes, you're really talking about uh, people that, um, you know, that, that do, do well, they make money, but ultimately we know where the bulk of the wealth and the power come from. And so, uh, one of the things I've always, uh, talked about is, uh, and, and kind of brought up and thought about is, uh, think about people like this guy, Colin Kaepernick, uh, who's a great man, who's a smart man. He's got a great show on Netflix. My wife and I watched every single episode of his, uh, his, his Netflix series. And he did a great job telling his story. And I really liked hearing his story. But I really couldn't understand. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. This is no uh, no shade at all. But this is really a question I have. Is I did not understand uh, the nature of co- the Colin Kaepernick labor dispute with the NFL, and I referred to it as a labor dispute because that's pretty much what it was. It was a labor dispute where a, an employee uh, had a fight with his boss uh, because his boss fired him because he took a stand on a personal issue. Uh, and uh, and I and I I'm not saying the NFL was right. I'm not saying the cap was right or wrong. Um, I agree with the issue of police brutality. I don't know if pre- police brutality has gone down since the protest occurred, but still, uh, you know, you can't knock him for trying. I just really didn't understand uh, why, personally, I would be expected, you know, just as a uh, as as a, as a fellow human being to uh, to want to necessarily be involved in one person's labor dispute, right? They, you know, when they've signed a hundred million dollar contract or whatever, and they want to get their money. Um, I, that isn't something that really inspired me, to be honest with you. I didn't disagree with Kaepernick. I, I agree police brutality is an issue. I just kind of felt like, well, maybe there's more. Maybe there's more that can be done. So let me kind of break it down for you like this. One of the things that we were talking about the other day on my um, Instagram page, and uh, you can follow me on Instagram. Follow me at Financial Juneteenth on Instagram because uh, the the Real Boyce Watkins, my, my big Instagram page, I think I've been shadow banned because when you talk about a lot of black stuff, uh, they, they kind of block you and stuff like that. So I haven't been completely banned, but they kind of uh, dim my page. Like it's hard to find. So just uh, I have another backup page at Financial Juneteenth. So feel free to follow there. Um, one of the, you know, one of the things I was talking to you guys about the other day was how China has been using their economic power 
to uh, basically basically colonial, uh, colonize Africa. Uh, they're, they're going to countries like Uganda and they're saying, hey, you need an airport? Uh, and Uganda's like, yeah, we need an airport. And they're like, oh, we'll build you a nice state-of-the-art airport. And we're going to use our engineers. We're going to hire our people to do it. We're not going to teach you how to do it. We're not going to tell you what we did. Uh, and we're going to loan you the money to build this airport. And then you're going to be in debt. And if you don't repay the debt, we're going to take your airport. Right? Or we're going to take the airport. Right? Who, whose airport it is is up to you to decide how you want to look at that. And uh, a lot of people were offended by this. And um, and the thing is that again, because you guys know my doctorates in finance, I understood the whole game from the jump. I understand. I understood. I understood the whole hustle from the beginning. The whole hustle basically what is that China is using their economic power to secure power around the world. They're using their money to go around and basically do what uh, white folks used to do with with guns and swords and and and, and or not well not swords. Yeah, I guess guns and swords and cannons, and they're pretty much colonizing uh, Africa. Right. And, uh, and they're doing it right in, in front of our faces. They're doing it also in Jamaica and other places as well. And should you be concerned? Yeah, you probably should. Uh, you know, because uh, effectively when they give Uganda a big loan so that they can build an airport for Uganda, that's a lot like a student loan. That's a lot like a student loan. How many of you give me a yes or no? How many of you uh, have felt the extreme pain of having more student loans uh, than, than you could repay, afford to repay? How many of you have ever felt that pressure of being hit hard by student loans to the point where you can't repay those loans, but you felt like you needed to get them because you needed an education, right? But that, but then you get all that debt and you're like, damn, I don't know what to do now. I'm stuck. Well, what are you stuck doing? Well, you're stuck working on the corporate plantation. You're stuck, you know, committing to capitalism and not that capitalism is always good and always bad, but, but that's the situation you're in. You're stuck committed to uh, working on the capitalist corporate plantation uh, because basically you can't afford to quit your job. Right. When I ask people, they say, I hate my job. And I'm like, well, you hate your job. Why don't you quit? Because I can't. Well, that, well, that would, if you, if you want to do something and you can't do it, you know what that means. You know what that makes you, right? That makes you a slave. Like that's slavery. Like I want to do this, but I can't. So I got to do that instead. Well, that's slavery. Like somebody's telling you what to do. You don't, you're, you're no longer, you no longer have the inalienable rights of a human being, which is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, because you can't go pursue happiness because you got to go to work. So you you no longer have the freedom to pursue happiness, right? Happiness and 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 freedom and liberty and all these other things like they're all connected, right? So so effectively, you're telling me that you're a slave. How did you become a slave? Well, you um you went and you you borrowed a bunch of money to go to school, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I did it too, right? And uh, <clears throat> because you felt like you needed a degree, now the debt the degree the debt from the degree has you hemmed up and pinned down. To the point where you feel that you can't go do anything else, and also remember the, the play isn't just the the loan a, a aspect of it all. Loaning money and borrowing money is not necessarily in, inherently a bad thing, right? The, the access access to capital can be a good thing if it's done the right way. The problem with the student loan, and I'm getting back to Uganda in a minute, which is actually going to get back to the core issue of what we're talking about here. Um, the 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 problem with the student loan. It's not that they loaned you money to go to school. Like education's wonderful, right? Education's cool. The problem is that they overcharged you, number one, because they, they said, Well, don't worry about it. Just sign, just sign here, just sign on the dotted line. You know, I know, I know a young lady who's uh forty thousand dollars in debt because she was going to one of those uh for-profit schools. And what they said was, We we know you want to get an education, you want to improve your life, right? She's like, Right, right. They're like, okay, so we we can help you. You you want our help? Yeah, right, right. Okay, so just sign here and you can go to school for free for free, right? We'll give you your education for free. But then what they do is they jack up the price, right? They triple the price 
and they say, oh, yeah, it'll be $50,000 you'll owe, but don't worry, just sign it. And then by the time you get that great job, you'll pay it all back and it'll be fine. So that's the problem. That's one problem is the amount that they're, that they're charging. Universities started spiking up. As soon as student loans became widely available, universities started spiking up the cost of going to college. That's when the cost of college started shooting up because they were like, look, just sign the dotted line. And if you get, you put a contract like that in front of an 18 year old who's been taught that going to college is the only way to success. Well, they're going to sign anything. They're like, well, my mama told me I need to go to college. So I'm going to sign this. Right. So in economics, what that means is they've taken what is, uh, what would be referred to as an inelastic product, which is something that you have to have no matter what, almost like uh, educational crack. And they, they've taken something that you need and they charge you an insane price to receive it. So you'll pay any price to get it. The last problem with student loans is what you're actually learning. You're not learning the skills necessary to raise the money to repay the debt. You're not learning how to start businesses and in industry and how to invest and all that. You know how to be an employee. Employees can't pay student loans because student loans are here. Your wages are here. Right? <laughs> Employees can't repay the amount of they 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 charge you boss money to to learn how to be uh to how to be an underling, right? Do you, you understand what I'm saying? Now, if they if they charge you boss money, learn how to be a boss, right? Like if somebody teach you how to start a business that's gonna make you a million dollars a year, then hell yeah, you go borrow three hundred thousand to do, to make that happen, right? That's a good ROI, good return on investment. But they had you borrowing boss money to learn how to be a peasant, right? So so going back to the Uganda airport, that's what I see. The Chinese say, hey, you want an airport? Yeah, we need an airport. Uh, you want us to help you build one? Yeah, we'd love your help. You want, well, well, how about this? We'll loan you the money to build your build an airport, but we're going to really be paying ourselves because we're going to use our people and our engineers to get it done, and we're going to charge you whatever price we want. And because and maybe because you're not looking at the future, you're going to borrow, you're going to sign on the dotted line because, because now you get to go back to your people and say you have an airport, right? So now the, the Uganda airport's built. It's beautiful. It's amazing. But then now you owe all this money to the Chinese government. They also, and then the, if the Ugandans turn around, I'm, I bet you that when they said, hey, can you show us how to maintain and how to build our own airport? I bet you the Chinese government said, um, don't you worry about that. Don't you worry your pretty little head about taking care of this airport. We got this. We got you. I got you. I got you. Right. Like we, we got our engineers. We'll fly them in from, from Shanghai and they're going to come in and they're going to take care of everything. And they're going to, you know, right. Because they don't want you to learn how to actually generate the same type of wealth and power that they have. Right. They don't want you to be, um, and, and equal. They don't want Uganda competing with China. My God, right? They want Uganda dependent on China, right? So ultimately, when you're talking about um, when you're talking about what's going on with Black people, uh, and you're talking about things like uh, the way we are um, the way we are uh, positioned in this capitalist society, you must pay attention to whether or not somebody is really trying to empower you, or somebody's really trying to kind of exploit you. And what I would also say is that if you look again, if you read book, if you read Dr. Claude Anderson's books, he breaks it all down for you in very good detail. That's why I tell you every child should be reading these books as, as their first book that they read. Um, you'll you'll probably understand that they're never really here to give you power. White people ain't here to make you equal to white people. They're they're just not. They're, I'm not saying that they're all terrible. I'm not out here being anti-white. I'm being pro-black, which in many cases, which which tells you to tell you how anti-black society is the fact that i'm pro-black makes people think i'm anti-white it makes people think i'm bad that's why instagram shadow bans my instagram page because i just told you what i just told you the things i just said literally are enough to get me shadow banned on instagram do you follow what i'm saying so so black 
liberation, black love is a revolutionary act, right? Economic power is a revolutionary act. Bringing black people together is a revolutionary act. And I, and I don't expect for one second that those who benefited from black division or black people being a day late and a dollar short, I don't expect any of those people to ever feel happy that somebody like me is talking to somebody like you. Now, remember, I told you, I'm not just the average guy running his mouth on the internet. My, when I got my PhD in finance, I was the only black man on the planet that year, or woman, black man or woman on the planet to get a doctorate in finance. My understanding of economics is at a level that exceeds 99.9% .9 of anybody you'll ever see on TV. I'm not bragging, it's just true. And I wanna make that clear so that you know I'm not just running my mouth. I'm sharing specific information that comes from studying 120 years worth of economic data on stock markets and everything else in between, right? So there's a game, there's a way this game is played and uh, the, and, and you got to learn how to play. If you don't learn how to play it, you're going to keep getting played, all right? So let me, uh, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, hit the thumbs up, share, subscribe button. And as I, as I mentioned to you guys, since, I've, I've, since we've been dealing with the Instagram stuff and all that, I want to stay connected via text. So if you could uh, write this number down, you could, if you want to stay connected with me via text, text the word voice to 31996, text voice to 31996, I'll, I'll text you when sometimes when I go live, I'll text you stocks that I like, you know, every now and then, every couple of days, I'll throw out some stocks that I found that I want to invest in. You guys know an expert in the stock market. Uh, that's what my dissertation was on. Uh, and, uh, and so it'll be beneficial to you. So feel free to sign up on the list. That way we stay connected. That way, in case they ever do come and shut me down, uh, I'll have a way to get back in touch with you. Okay, we'll be able to stay connected. This is kind of our little grapevine. All right, so hit the thumbs up button. All right, so let's talk specifically about uh, Kaepernick and the NFL. I had to I had to kind of warm it up to kind of really make sure we understand the context of how the economic game is played and and how to how you can avoid being played. So here's the deal. All right. So uh, with Kaepernick, I'm, let me just say this: I really like the guy a lot. I think he's really cool. I've I've I've, I've carefully. My wife is a therapist. She's an expert in psychology. So we we've literally when we were watching Kaepernick's uh, story, if you remember his mama his mama and daddy were white, right? So he had white parents that were kind of out of touch with the black experience. And he spent a lot of time trying to figure out, you know, how to sort of position himself as a black man in this world. And I think he did a great job with that. Um, and, uh, and and one of the things I would offer is that I, I think that he's going to continue to evolve over time. And so this is not in any way a critique of him as a person. Um, but I think that there's like another level. There's another layer to blackness that I hope that, he, that he'll explore. And, uh, and, and, and because one of the things I think that's important for us to understand is that being black, or supporting black doesn't just mean throwing up the black fist or just saying, I'm a Marxist, I'm a communist, uh, because there's a root to that. There's an origin to that. There's a reason why you have a lot of black people that will say uh, anti-capitalism is always racist, you know, and, and you got to be careful with statements like that because black people need our business owners. We need wealth. We need some wealth. That doesn't mean we need to be capitalists, but it does mean that we need wealth. And we have to understand that uh, wealth is, is connected to power. And also uh, screaming and hollering and protesting only does so much. Uh, it, it doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It can be good for getting attention. But there's a point where somebody's got to write a check. In every revolution in the history of all mankind, somebody had to write a check to fight that damn revolution. Right. Your celebrities aren't always willing to write the check. Um, I think the community is willing to write the check. But I think also understanding all those dynamics is extremely important in all in this whole process. So when I saw Colin Kaepernick going through it with the NFL, uh, because it's, he did the righteous thing, he stood up and he or got, got on the knee and said, you know, I, I'm not I'm going to keep getting on one knee until we address police brutality. I, I thought that's great. I, I love it. It's wonderful. But then I said, OK, this dude's going to get fired. And the reason he's going to get fired is because 
uh, one of the rules of life is that you can't go into another man's house and then think you're going to make the rules. When I you just can't. It doesn't work that way. In, in the house of Boyce Watkins, if you come in my house, my rules will apply. You might be right. It don't matter. Power is its own type of right. Power is it. You ever have a, you remember you were little and you were, anybody ever argue with their mother? Like I used to, I used to argue with my mama in the car all the time. And the thing was, I was pretty smart. So sometimes I would win the damn argument and my mother would get pissed. Anybody have an argument with your mama and then you start winning and then mama's getting mad. She's getting like face getting red, flustered and shit. Cause she's, she, cause she thought, <laughs> cause she thought she could outsmart you cause you were 10. And, uh, and and then you start winning the argument. Well, eventually your mother's and you're like, well, mama, why can't I go to the mall today? And she's like, because I said so. She just ends the argument by saying, because I said so. And that's her way, in my view, of basically saying, I'm, I'm through playing with playing this game with you. I, you know, yeah, yeah, I gave you the illusion that that this was a fair debate. I gave you the illusion that we were equals for a, a very short period of time. I gave you the illusion that if you win this debate with me and you come with more facts than I have, that, that I'm going to hear your point of view. But at the end of the day, I make the rules up in this bitch, period. That's it. I'm the boss. You do what the boss says. We're not, we, I'm not going to argue with you no more. Right. And that's kind of what white folks do to black people. They give you this illusion that if you keep trying hard enough, that one day you'll achieve this magical thing that they write about in fairy tales called equality, right? It's like a Snow White story. Like, well, one day we want equality where black little black boys and little white girls can hold hands and sing we shall overcome together and go to church together and everybody can love each other. And, you, and some of y'all believe in that. It was a bedtime story they told you when, when you were little. Once upon a time, there was a civil rights leader named Martin Luther King, and he led black people to go and and and, and march and get their asses beat so they could go shop at, at the white man's mall and, and give him all their money, right? No disrespect to Dr. King. I love Dr. King, but come on now. I'm not going to get beat up to, for the right to give you my money. I'm not. I'm sorry. You beat me up. Maybe you could can, I don't even know if I'd let you beat me up if you were giving me money. So that, 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 but, but then again, I'm a, I'm a little weird like that. That's why I didn't ever, that's why I, I couldn't understand uh, pledging a, a fraternity or sorority. No disrespect. I'm not I'm dissing people that did that, but when they came to me and they said, hey, you want to be a, a, a Kappa? I was like, sure. Those, those, that's a, I like those, those are cool canes. I like that red. And I was like, so what I got to do? Well, they're like, okay, first you got to pay us $700. And then for six weeks, we get to torture you and beat your ass. Well, that don't sound like a very good deal. What, what do I get in exchange? Well, you get to wear the same colors and you get to be our friend. And I was like, but first of all, fuck you. Um, and second of all, um, aren't we already friends? Like, why do I need to give you my money and let you beat me up so I can be your friend? I didn't understand it. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not making fun of anybody in here that's Greek. I promise you. I'm just gonna say it had to, it didn't make sense to me in my 19-year-old brain. I was like, man, I work hard for my money. I'm not gonna give you $700. <laughs> but maybe, maybe if, if maybe for the kids like whose whose parents would send the money, maybe that was easy for them. I had to work for my money. I had a baby when I was a freshman in college, like, and I worked a full-time job as a freshman in college. Right? So my money was was important to me. I wasn't gonna give you my money to give you the right to come into my room at two in the morning and beat my ass. That didn't make sense to me. I'm not going to lie. So I think about that when I think about that whole civil rights movement that we're so proud of, where it's like we would go and sit at a lunch counter and say, I want a cup of coffee, please. And the white people say, we don't serve Negroes here. It was, and then they would just sit there. And next thing you know, the police would say, son, you you, you got to go. You got to leave. No Negroes in here. 
And then you're like, I would like a donut with my coffee. So you put another dollar on the table. And then next thing you know, the police try to pull you away. And then next thing you know, somebody's getting hit upside the head with a billy club. And then somehow we've concluded that that's a righteous exercise. I'm not here to say that <clears throat> that I'm making fun of the people that participated in that exercise. Sometimes when you are given an idea at an early age, you are absolutely committed to the idea that that idea is a good idea in the first place. You're committed to this false belief that somehow the way things were done is the right way to get it done. And then when someone presents an alternative perspective, it becomes very offensive, right? But but I will say to you, I would I would dare to challenge you to say that, you know, it, I, I would dare, to, dare for you to show me what in what areas has Black economic progress really advanced um, since the 1960s? Uh, you know, because remember, you know, when you get to this topic of owning a, a black or having black owned sports leagues, remember, you had the Negro Leagues. You have the Negro Leagues. The NFL, I think right now, if you add up the economic value of all the NFL teams put together, uh, the Dallas Cowboys are the most expensive or, or highest value franchise at about $6.5 billion. The Buffalo Bills, if I'm not mistaken, are the uh, the cheapest franchise that you can buy in the NFL. They sell for about $2.2 billion. And if you add up the value of all the uh, franchises in the NFL, you're probably going to get a combined value of maybe 70 or $80 billion, something like that. So um, so, so my, my thought would be um, if the NFL, you know, a league that was started by people who probably are not as good athletes as you are, let's just keep it 100. We know black, there's something magic about black people. I'm sure that's when Kaepernick realized that, that those weren't his real parents when he grew up with those superpowers he had as a black man, right? Right. So so let's just keep it 100. We're, we're, we are... Uh, dominant athletes in a lot of different areas. So if if, they, if if a league started by people who were not as good athletically as you is now worth a combined total of between 60 and $80 billion, what do you think the Negro Leagues would be worth right now if we'd held on to that asset? What do y'all think? What do you think the Negro Leagues would be worth if we took all the great athletes in the Negro Leagues and kept that league going, Right. So, 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 you know, so, so here's, here's, here's what I'm getting at. And Deion Sanders, shout out to Deion Sanders. He's kind of picking up on this. He's kind of doing this with HBCUs. He just did something that um, should be second nature, but it was surprising to some. He recruited the number one uh, athlete in the country to come play at Jackson State, Travis Hunter. He got, he bought Travis in. Uh, and what's interesting is everybody, of course, of course, white folks get mad because they're supposed to get mad, right? Because, you know, you were making money off these great black athletes. And now Dion is going to make money for an HBCU with this athlete. And he's probably going to get more because of it. So, of course, they're going to get mad, right? When 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 so, when the other team loses, they're not going to be happy about it. But then also what's interesting to me is the fact that we are so backward in our thinking, some of us, that we think it's odd that the top black athlete would want to go to a black owned school. Like, we're like, whoa, that's amazing. Oh, my goodness. What was he thinking? Why in the world would a black person want to be around black people? Good Lord. You're supposed to be at the University of Kansas. You're supposed to be at Alabama where they had slaves and, and, and Nick Saban's making all the money. That's that's what you're supposed to be. You're supposed to take your, your black athletes. They're supposed to be working for white folks. They're supposed to be making the Alabama Board of Trustees rich. Why in the world would you want to help black people if you're black? What's wrong with you? Do you understand where I'm, what I'm getting with this, how crazy that is? It's crazy that we think it's crazy. It's crazy that we're like, oh, my God, that is so rare that, I, that black people would actually benefit from the talent of black people. 
That, that's that's a little weird. I've never seen that before. My God, that's so revolutionary. Holy crap. Do you understand how unnatural they've made you? How they've had you literally taking something that is abnormal and made it normal? <laughs> You're supposed to benefit. Do you think the Jewish community gets shocked when a Jewish kid grows up and does something for the Jewish community? Like, do, do, I mean, do you think that they get, do you think it floors them? Do you think they say, oh, wow, this doesn't make any sense. You should be working for Hitler. You should be working for the Nazis, <laughs> right? They, they don't do that. They don't think that way, right? So anyway, let, let, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe button. I want to remind everybody also, when you're talking about preparing your kids for the future, buy shares of stock for them now. This is how you can get your kids ahead of 90% of the kids that are out there. And, uh, and if you're interested, we have a black business school for children at blackmillionairesoftomorrow.com. Or if you just go to boyswatkins.com, you can actually find it on that page. If you're on Instagram, the link is in the bio. So if you want to uh, give your kids a head start, uh, we designed a whole black business school for kids that is designed on things that, uh, that I taught at Syracuse University when I was on the faculty there. So uh, feel free to go take a look. Uh, and there's a money back guarantee if you're not happy for any reason. So feel free uh, to go to boyswalkins.com and take a look if you're interested in that. All right. So um, so so here here's what here's what I want to show you guys, too, that I just think is really, really just a truly fascinating um, concept. OK, so uh, so let's let's talk about the NFL for a minute. And, and I want you to kind of understand the vision and understand why I personally am just like a little bit confused as to why. Uh, black people don't, you know, don't, you haven't really seen a consortium of celebrities come together and form a black owned sports league. Um, I, I personally will say that one thing about investing that you have to understand is that investing requires vision. Investing requires uh, you to be able to see the future before it gets here. Investing is not done very well by a group of people who are reactive. Uh, reactive people are the people who see that see what's already happened or they see what's happening now. Uh, investing is typically best done by people who are proactive. And one of the things that Dr. Claude Anderson writes about in Black Labor, White Wealth, which we were reading last night, is he says that you were trained through white supremacist systems to be very reactive, that one of your problems with black leadership is that it's very reactive. They say, oh, somebody got shot this week. And then the next thing you know, black leaders rise out of that and you start protesting over the fact that somebody got shot last week. But if somebody shows up and says, let's let's figure out a plan so that we can make sure this doesn't happen anymore. Well, people get bored. They go back to Instagram. They start looking at booty pics and shade room and and just doing, you know, just doing like ignorant stuff. Right. So ultimately they're doing TikTok challenges. right? Like that's not that because that's not planning is not fun and it's not interesting to some people. But but I'm telling you. Uh, and people who are the best investors, who make the most money, who have the most wealth, are people who don't live in the present and they don't live in the past. These are people who live in the future. So if you ever want, if you want to teach your kids to be uh, ahead of the curve 20, 30 years from now, teach them how to live in the future. That means that if your child is four, I need you to practice looking at your four-year-old as a 34-year-old. And then I want you to say, what does a 34-year-old need in his life in order to be successful? Well, a 34-year-old man, he's, he's going to need some money. If he's broke, then he's gonna be a joke. If he can't, if he can't get out here and, and get bread, then he's gonna end up uh, with somebody's uh, toe on his head, right? If he can't go out here and figure out how to how to how to make something happen, then 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 he will not get respect from anyone anywhere at any time. And that's just the reality of the life we live. So if I got a four year old son, I'm going to teach my son to be smart and strategic. I'm gonna make sure my son has assets. I'm gonna start investing for him. I'm gonna start teaching him things. Uh, when he's young, 
I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that he's prepared to be a fully functioning and adequate member of the black community. Right. So ultimately, uh, the same thing is true when you talk about why there's so much money uh, that, that exists in the NFL. The NFL, uh, I mentioned that the combined total value of the NFL franchise is, is about I'm, I'm going to guess 60 to 60 to 80 billion dollars. The Dallas Cowboys are worth about six point five billion uh, going on down to the Buffalo Bills, which are worth about two point two billion. Uh, if you look at this list, I'm going to show you guys kind of a quick list of, of the valuations of many NFL teams. And then I want you to kind of understand the, the how visionary investing is what allowed these teams to have so much uh, wealth and so much money and so much status. So you see the Cowboys at the top, $6.5 billion. New England Patriots are worth $5 billion. New York Giants, and they, with their terrible team, are worth $4.8 billion. The L.A. Rams, $4.8 billion. Washington football team, another terrible team, $4.2 billion. 49ers, uh, over $4 billion. So you got several NFL franchises worth over $4 billion. Uh, you scroll down, you got the Seahawks worth $3.5 billion. The Green Bay Packers worth $3.475 billion. So here's a, here's a little uh, Negro trivia for y'all right right quick. Uh, when we talk about owning a sports league and, and, and how vision makes a difference, being able to live in the future and see the future makes a difference. How much do you think it costs? You, you see the, uh, the the Green Bay Packers are worth, what, three point, was it $3.475 billion? How much did it cost uh, to buy the Green Bay Packers? Can anybody guess? Guess in the chat. What was the original cost of the Green Bay Packers? Somebody give me the original cost of buying the Green Bay Packers that are worth $3.5 billion. It was 50 bucks. It cost 50 bucks to buy the Green Bay Packers. And the Green Bay Packers are now worth $3.5 billion. They bought that shit for 50 bucks. In 1919, one generation ago, almost exactly 100 years ago, 102 years ago, not that long ago, two generations ago, some of y'all got great-grandparents that were alive in 1919. The Green Bay Packers were purchased for 50 bucks, and they're now worth $3.5 billion. Do you understand... You can't even buy these books for 50 bucks. This book, this book is about 30. This book's about no, this, this is gonna be about another 25. Right there. The cost of these two books is what they paid for the Green Bay Packers. 50 bucks. And the Packers are now worth $3.5 billion just a couple of generations later. Some of y'all have great grandparents who were alive. When the Packers were purchased, they were purchased around the same time that they burned down Black Wall Street. So, so we know, we know, we know what we were dealing with. We know about the enemy. We know, we know what our ancestors were fighting through. But then again, they're not burning down your Black Wall Street. They're not necessarily stopping you from, you know, investing and saving your money. I don't think anybody. I mean, sure, there will be challenges. Don't get me wrong; it's not going to be easy. But at the same time, I don't see anybody even trying. Just because, I mean, since when did something being difficult mean you shouldn't try to do it, right? Since when that did having opposition mean you don't fight? Does a football team stop playing offense just because the other team's playing defense? No. 
You expect the defense. You know that they're going to try to stop you. You know when you pass the ball, they're going to try to intercept it. You know that they're going to try to sack your quarterback. You know that they're going to play dirty. You know that they're going to do everything in their power to try to score on you any chance that they get. You know these things. So why do you act like a little punk every time the white man steps up and says, we we, we don't like that. We don't like what those black people are doing. We, we want to try to own those assets. And then you start crying. There's no crying in sports. You're not supposed to cry. So crying in competition, you fight back. Let's keep going. Do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe button. Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit more. All right. So, so, uh, so I mentioned to you the pri- the values of these NFL franchises. Let let me just kind of blow your mind a little bit more. This is this is for uh, anybody you know in, in terms of how you want to process you know the situations with the Kaepernick's and everybody else. And I don't have anything anything against any of these guys. But I, I think that when you have celebrities that brag about how many famous people they know, or they say, look at me, I'm taking a picture with Jay-Z, and I was hanging out with Kevin Hart last night, I really would like to encourage those individuals and maybe those who are watching uh, to understand that that fle- Instagram flexing doesn't count as real progress. You know, taking a picture with a famous person or taking a selfie where you wearing your chain, your biggest chain, th- don't nobody care about that. Come on, man, you 40. Seriously, stop it. It's silly. You know, or, or, or talking about how many famous people you know, or Kanye West. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't, I don't dislike Kanye West. I like Kanye. I talk to him. I, he's, a, he's a nice enough guy. But I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm kind of getting, I'm not real interested in hearing you tell me how great you are until show me how great you are. Go, go and, and you, you really flexing. You sitting on, first thing, I, I, I don't, again, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to even make it sound like I'm, I'm being disrespectful because sometimes it comes out that way because I get frustrated, but it's not really meant to be that way. But first thing Kanye told me when we talked was that he was worth $6 billion. And I'm like, whoop the goddamn dude. I don't give a fuck. Like, I, I mean, don't, don't give me, don't disrespect. I'm not, I'm not making fun of you. I'm not saying I, I don't like it. I'm happy for you. I think that's a wonderful thing. But the word I is not that important. Like the word um, we is what matters, you know? And, and, and my thought is like, okay, come on. Like, okay, $6 billion. Wow. That means we could write a check for a hundred million and go get some shit done right now. Like seriously, like, like there's a whole lot of things we can do. I know I got, you got money. I got PhDs. I got all kinds of the smartest people on the planet. We just put some money in their pocket. They'll come to work tomorrow. They'll be ready to go. But no, it's it's all a game. It's all silly to me. You know, it's 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 like um, it's kind of immature in a way. You know, um, um. In fact, it's uh, it's it's one of those things where it's like. I think that sometimes we think that talking about how great we are is literally the same as actually doing something. You know, and a, and a lot of your rappers, unfortunately, I'm not making fun of Kanye on this at all because I like I like Kanye, so I'm gonna make that 100 percent clear. I'm not. This is not a diss. This is not a diss. This is not a diss. But I really kind of just think that we've got to raise the bar a little bit, and it's not just him. It's not just the artists. It's not just the entertainers and the famous people. It's really the community. It, it, it's really the community that has to raise the bar in terms of saying, I don't care about that. Like, I don't, I don't care. I know, I know you're rich. I know that you're a great talented artist, but what's next? Show me something. Show me some grown man stuff. Show, show me something. Show me the Elon Musk in you. Elon Musk built uh, a couple companies, Tesla and SpaceX that probably employ over a million of his people, mostly white people because Elon Musk is white. So he's probably going to take care of white people first. 
Um, show me the uh, th- that's a real flag. Show me an Elon the Elon Musk in you where I can go and point to 300,000 black people that now have jobs because you built industry around uh, the, the great things that you've accomplished. That to me is uh, is what you call flexing. That is real power. That's what power looks like, people. Some of y'all think power comes out of a man's mouth. And you got a lot of fast talking Negroes out here, fast talking Negroes. And the reason they do it is because that's what you go for. You you go for the flash because you think the flash is the same as the substance. Diddy gets online and Diddy says, hey, y'all, I'm going to go buy the Carolina Panthers, y'all. It gets 10,000 likes. That means job is done. Like there's nothing else to do now <laughs> because I made my comment. I I, I I threw out an illusion and everybody hit the like button. And now I'm going to go back to doing something different. I'm not going to spend the, the 10,000 hours of hard work necessary to actually make the illusion become a reality. Because why would I create the reality when the illusion is just as good? Right. So ultimately, um, you know, when you look at this, right, you, you look at what these individual people did when it, when it came to the purchase price of many of these NFL franchises. And you compare that to the one point four trillion that black people spend every year on just literally godforsaken bullshit. Um, I think that it is one of those things where we kind of have to have that awakening to say we could probably do more than just simply sit around and complain about what white people won't let us do. You know, uh, white people not letting you own an NFL franchise doesn't mean shit to me. I literally do not care that white people are protecting the assets that were created by white people. And if you are silly enough to believe that you that your only option is to go through the systems they created, then I feel bad for you. I feel like you weren't really taught the things you needed to be taught as a young person to know how to go above and beyond that. Um, so so let me let me just read some more of this uh, so you can kind of know these things in terms of where these uh, where these empires come from. You look around and you see that white folks have all the money. Some people think they don't know where it comes from. They're like, why do they have all the money? Oh, it's racism. Yeah, it's racism. But specifically, um, which parts are due to racism and which parts are due to uh, patience and vision necessary to build economic empires? Who in the world told you that you're supposed to be a billionaire by next Tuesday? Who told you you're supposed to get paid by tomorrow? Who told you that that building an economic empire takes about two weeks of hard work? Like no, seriously, I mean, you, you you learn that by watching some rapper get a record deal where he got 50 million and now he's got the biggest chain and you think somehow that that's success. You learn that by watching basketball players get hundred million dollar contracts, you know, right out of college. And, and you're thinking, man, that's how that's lit. Yo, that's how you get the money. That ain't how you get no money. That ain't where real money comes from. That's not where billionaires are built. That ain't, that ain't where wealth comes from. Wealth does not happen on a basketball court. That it doesn't mean that, that there isn't some money out there. It doesn't mean that they're not doing well. And, and some of the athletes, shout out to them. Some of them are very smart people. I've met them, very smart guys, not dismissing them at all. But if you really want to talk about what it takes to say, you know, be like Jerry Jones and his family and own the Dallas Cowboys, the $6.5 billion franchise, I don't think Jerry Jones is ever that good at rapping or playing basketball or football or any sport in his life. I would say that if you want to understand where those empires come from, you got to go back and read the instruction manual and really look at the the architecture that led to the ownership of a franchise that big. Sure, right, white privilege plays a big part in this, without a doubt, without a doubt. But every white man ain't sitting on a six billion dollar franchise like a Jerry Jones. Every white man is not, you know, on three hundred billion dollars like Elon Musk. 
there's a blueprint to this. And if all you can do, if every time you think about it, if, if all you do is you get stopped at the whole well, well, they're white and I'm black, that means I can't do it and they can, then you're going to miss 99% of the conversation. There's a whole lot after you finish acknowledging that white men have privilege that black people don't. There's another 10,000 things to be discussed. They go beyond simply saying, well, he's white and that's why I can't do it. The conversation cannot just end with, well, you're white and I'm black and that's it. No, it has to go into what can I do? What can I accomplish as a black man that will allow me to at least get a piece of this wealth in this country? A.G. Gaston, anybody tell me, think about it like this. When our kids are going to school, this is why you got to take your kids out of these public schools or at least make sure you supplement their education because the public schools are ruining your kids. They're teaching them to be white supremacists. It's an indoctrination process. It's not education. It's indoctrination. But anyway, when your kids go to public school, they're learning like all their proper pronouns to use. They're learning that Billy can be a boy on Tuesday and, and a girl, you know, the following Tuesday, if he decides to uh, identify as a girl, they're learning that George Washington and Abraham Lincoln were these wonderful men who uh, freed the slaves and gave black people all these wonderful opportunities. They're learning all about European history. They're learning all these things. And then when they get to black people, they learn a little bit about the civil rights movement and uh, maybe, you know, we used to be slaves, but now things are better, right? They learn, they learn silly things, right? But how many of your kids go to school and learn about A.G. Gaston? How many of your kids go to, how many of y'all know? How many of y'all know? Give me a yes or no in the chat. Let's be honest. Moment of honesty. How many of y'all know who A.G. Gaston is? Can anybody tell me who A.G. Gaston is? Yes or no? Do you know who A.G. Gaston is? A.G. Gaston was a black man who in the 1930s and 1940s was able to amass tens of millions of dollars in wealth. Tens of millions of dollars in wealth in the middle of like... Super Jim Crow, Deep South Jim Crow. Some shit y'all can't even imagine in terms of how bad the racism was. A.G. Gaston was very, very wealthy. And he created businesses and companies and employed his people. A.G. Gaston could not throw a football. He could not dribble a basketball. He, he didn't bust, he didn't go out and bust a rap or sing a song. He didn't, he wasn't twerking for nobody. He, but he learned how to build wealth. He learned how to build economic opportunities and real power for his people. When Dr. King would get locked up, they would call A.G. Gaston, who could write a check to bail everybody out. Because I told you, the revolution needs somebody to write checks. So when when so I humbly submit to Colin Kaepernick, bro, look, when you're talking about like you hate capitalism and you're a pure Marxist, I understand. I get it. Marxism has a lot of great critiques of capitalism. I've read the ideas of Karl Marx extensively, and I don't disagree with a lot of it. I, I, I think a lot of those ideas are good. But at the end of the day, somebody's got to be a grown ass man to write a check. If you don't have somebody in the room that can write a check for the revolution, the revolution is going to fail. You cannot have a revolution if somebody ain't ready to write the check because all the revolutionaries going to have to go to work for the capitalists on Monday because so they can only protest on the weekends because they got to go to work on Monday because they got to go pay the bills. Because when baby need a new pair of shoes, he don't want to hear that he got to go to school barefoot because you was out fighting the power, trying to be, <laughs> trying to be a Marxist. <laughs> he ain't trying to hear that. Somebody's got to write a check. And Colin gets it. Colin Kaepernick gets it. You know, that's where that, that multi-million dollar deal with Nike comes from. God bless him for that. That multi-million dollar book deal. So so as much as we might say, we, you know, capitalism's evil and bad, 
Come on now. Come on now. That, that Nike is a capitalist organization, Colin. Nike's a, Nike's a little capitalist. But t- see, here's the thing, though. And I went to visit the Nike campus. I mentioned this to you guys yesterday. I went to visit the Nike campus because I, I got invited up to visit uh, by uh, Larry Miller. Larry Miller, who was the CEO of the Jordan brand, who's a great guy. He, he literally brought the Jordan brand from a few hundred million dollars a year to over three, two or $3 billion a year in, in, in global revenue. And he's a great guy. And I love him. And I sat with him. Me and my wife, Alicia, sat with him for hours and we were talking and 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 uh, and, I, and we did a, they gave us a great tour of the Nike campus which is a beautiful place and we're walking through the Nike campus and while we're there it was like they they had the whole story of where Nike came from they they told the whole story of Phil Knight and how Phil Knight would um make these uh, in the 1960s and 70s would make track shoes in the back of his raggedy ass van with a waffle iron Right. He would literally make like these track shoes with a waffle iron out of the back of his van. And that grew into Nike, which is now worth a quarter of a trillion dollars. Everybody wears Nikes. Everybody. Wear, how many of y'all got kids that wear Jordans? How many of y'all got children? They're like, Mommy, I want the newest Jordans next year. Right. Anybody got kids that wear Jordans? Because all my kids wear Jordans. Right. I got a pair of Jordans. And, and I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm freaked out about this. Right. Because I remember when the first pairs of Jordans came out when I was in middle school. And I'm like, wow, these people, we were wearing those shoes when I was in middle school and they're still wearing them now. That is that's marketing for your That's so impressive. Right. So so here's the deal. When you look at this mammoth corporation, Nike, which has this global influence is worth a quarter of a trillion dollars. How many of you sit down and actually go to the root of that and study how that where that came from? See, that's the thing. Everybody's into looking, looking flashy and looking good, but not understanding the hard work necessary to actually getting to the place where you actually are good. Right. So everybody is excited to, you know, if I tell you that some athlete signed a hundred million dollar contract with Nike, you're like, yo, that's lit. Yo, he Instagram flexing. Look at my chain. I'm I'm with, I'm signed with Nike. I'm signed with Jordan. Blah, 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 right. And, and you and you get caught up in that. You get caught up in that flash of all that. But but the thing is, ain't none of these flashy Negroes that are sitting on Instagram flexing that that none of these people are willing to go and sit in the back of a raggedy van and make track shoes with a waffle iron. Right, because that ain't lit. That's not cool. That's not. There's no TikTok challenge that that called the Waffle Iron Challenge, where we literally have raggedy businesses where we're sitting in the back of a of a raggedy van making track shoes with a waffle iron. That's not. The, nobody looks at that. A lot of women don't look at that and say, "Ooh, that's going to be the next billionaire. I want to get attached to that. I want to get in the back of his raggedy van with him and 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 make track shoes with a waffle iron because I believe in that black man." No, you want that flashy dude who's running around talking about how he's the greatest this and I'm the greatest that and look at my Bentley, look at my Benz, look at my, you know, you, you, that's what you want. That's what people, that's what people see. That's what people adore. But you don't have any interest in the origin story. You enjoy eating the fruit, but don't have enough energy to actually want to know how to plant the seed that grew the tree that actually bred the fruit that you're eating because the fruit is sweet. Planting the tree, that's boring. That's for suckers. That's lame. That's not interesting to me. I want to see the Negro with with 10 million Instagram followers who's talking about his baby's mamas while he's smoking weed and and, and showing how big his new chain is and how much money he just spent at the Gucci store. That's your problem. Part of your problem is culture. You're not, I mean, the the people you honor might not be the same people I honor. Seriously, I'm just going to be honest with you. You honor the flashy rappers. Rick Ross. Look at Rick Ross. Rick Ross is the man. I don't care about, none of that matters to me. It it just doesn't. It just doesn't. 
Because you know who who I'm really honoring? I'm honoring that that dude who's sitting there with that raggedy ass business, who's hustling like there is no tomorrow, who's treating his ten dollar a month entity like it's like it's the next Fortune 500 company. That's the guy I'm looking at. That's the guy where I'm saying, okay, keep hustling like that. One day you're gonna be bigger than all these people, and you're gonna own it. It's gonna be yours. You're not gonna get it through a record deal. You're not gonna get it through an NBA contract. You're not going. You're not gonna get it because you went and kissed the white man's ass. You're gonna get it because you had a vision and you invested in that vision and you took that raggedy ass shit that you that you're loving like the ugly baby in the nursery, right? <laughs> you're the parent of the ugliest baby in the nursery, but you're loving that baby like that baby is special and that baby's gonna grow up one day and pay you tremendous dividends that these Negroes will never ever understand. So investors, wealthy people. The billionaires and multimillionaires and wealthy, powerful people, the people that run the trillion dollar companies are the people that had the vision. They were the people who saw something beautiful when everybody else saw something raggedy. It was the people that saw greatness when everybody else saw struggle. It was the people that were willing to put out the discipline necessary to plant a seed and water that little seed every day and make it grow. And that has to be instilled in your culture. That's the difference in my view between people in the the, the, the the B1 space versus the rest of the world. The rest of the world is into the flashy. They will always celebrate the guy who got the, the, the $100 million deal with the NBA team more than they celebrate the guy who said, I started a sports league and I'm dedicating 80 hours a week to making this thing go. They don't celebrate that. But here's what you got to understand. That's where the NFL comes from. Do you think that the founders of the NFL were the littest, richest, most elite people in the white community? Do you think that the people who bought the the Green Bay Packers for 50 bucks, do you think that they were rolling in in dough? Do you think they was they was, you know, the the the, the 1920s equivalent of Instagram flexing? No, they were the, the the people that put their head down and said, "Okay, if we work hard at this, maybe we can build something. Maybe it'll be some maybe it'll be something one day." So now the Green Bay Packers are worth $3.5 billion. Let's talk about some other teams that are out here. Do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe button. And also feel free to go to boycewalkins.com if you'd like to um, take a look at some of the stuff that we have. Um, I have a new book coming out in March called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. And I just want to mention it to you guys. uh, And at some point, maybe in February, uh, those of you that subscribe, I can uh, give you access to advanced copies if that's of interest to you. All right. So uh, let me read. Uh, let's see. The uh, Arizona Cardinals were purchased for the princely sum of about $50,000 in 1932. Uh, they are currently worth. What are the Arizona Cardinals worth? The Arizona Cardinals are currently worth $2.6 billion. So they were purchased for $50,000. Um, let's see, let's look at, let's find another team. The Buffalo Bills were bought. The last time the Buffalo Bills were sold, they were purchased for $25,000. The Bills are now worth about $2.2 billion. The Chicago Bears uh, were purchased for $100. Uh, the Bears right now are worth, uh, let me see, are worth $4 billion. So the Bears were bought for 100 bucks. They're now worth $4 billion. Um, let's, let's see, let's keep going. Uh, let's find a couple more. Um, let's see. Do, 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 do. The Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Patrick Mahomes' team, were bought in 1960, the last time they were sold, uh, for $25,000. And I think the Chiefs, uh, I imagine the Chiefs are worth quite a bit. Uh, they, they're a pretty good team anyway. Uh, the Chiefs are now worth $2.9 billion. 
Uh, let, let's uh, let me do let me do a couple. This is this is really actually quite interesting. The New York Giants were purchased um, for five hundred bucks, and the Giants are now worth about four point eight billion dollars. They're the third most valuable franchise in the NFL. So that's where wealth comes from, people. Uh, wealth does not grow overnight. The billionaires, they have all the power. The people that were telling Colin Kaepernick to sit your, either stand your ass up and play or we or get your ass out of here. The people that had that power, that uh, they had that power because the power was transferred to them by their parents and grandparents who planted a seed in the in the past. Right. So my point is to say that uh, in order for your children and grandchildren to have that level of power, you got to be the ones to plant that seed. If you plant that seed for them, then uh, a couple of generations from now, they'll have that power uh, that, that Kaepernick can only dream of at this point. Uh, but that also requires, I think, when you talk about things like sports, things that black people are extremely good at, we have to be the owners of a sports league. And uh, it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be a little raggedy. It's not going to make NFL money. It's going to be like the little ugly baby. But so in my view, between the access to capital that these celebrities have, the access to platforms that they have, my God, you if, if you got 10 friends that all have 10 million Instagram followers, you instantly have worldwide distribution on your content. I don't so so you don't need CBS, NBC, and ABC. You only need people that know how to monetize an audience. That's what you need. I know people that can help you do that, uh, and I would help you for free. I don't even need your money. I've already have enough assets. I don't need more. I don't. I, I would totally help them for free. So so uh, long story short, um, one of the things I, I I'll mention quickly as well is uh, that you have a lot of um, greatness in your community that has been dwarfed by ignorance. Uh, and again, it's not your fault. It's because white supremacy's objective is to make sure that the most ignorant of us are marketed the most heavily. And the, the greatness of us is actually dimmed and muted. You're going to have to teach yourself about this. Well, what you should probably research is that there is um, you, a lot of y'all may not know this, but a hundred, about maybe about 80 to 100 years ago. I, um, and, and this was actually revealed to me by Anthony Martin uh, and Michelle Martin, who run the Urban Youth Racing School out of Philadelphia. So I went to visit the Urban Youth Racing School in Philadelphia, which is an extraordinary place. And uh, they told me that black people used to actually own our own NASCAR, basically, that we had a league that was just like NASCAR. They had um, thousands and thousands of fans. They would fill up entire stadiums. They had race car drivers that would go on, you know, national tours. Uh, they, they made lots of money. They had celebrities and and businesses that came out of this racing league. Uh, they, they <laughs> The celebrities had, had groupies and, you know, all this stuff, right? Like literally everything that you have with a professional sports league, black people actually own that, right? And so this league um, died for similar reasons, right? You, want, you found out you can get closer to white folks. You found out you could actually join what they were doing. And because the self-esteem was so low, uh, we wanted to go over there as opposed to realizing the value of what we had over here. So that's something that you may want to look into, um, that that black people have actually done a lot of great things in the past. And what I would say to you is that, and some of the things you're doing right now are great things, but what I would encourage you to understand is that the things that are going to be remembered 50 to 100 years from now are not the flashy things. The flashy things are not going to really matter that much. What's going to really matter are the little things that you're not even paying attention to that are going to eventually grow into big things that are going to grow into your billion dollar empires. But you have to have that mindset. Wealth builders are visionaries. If you cannot see the future, if your ability to see the future is dwarfed by what you're seeing in the, in the here and now, then you'll never be able to build any wealth because wealth is not something that is created in the here and now. It is when you plant a seed and you prepare for the future. Those who prepare for the future tend to have the most wealth. 
So make sure that you're always forward thinking and proactive and not backward thinking and reactive because we have a lot of backward thinking people out here because backward thinking is heavily promoted in our community because they want you to stay broke. They want you to stay struggling. They want you to stay at the bottom. That, But that's their job. That's what a white supremacist does. They, they, they're they going to protect their system. But what I want you to do is create your own system. OK, so I hope that you're hearing what I'm saying. I hope it was taken in the right spirit. I spoke about Colin Kaepernick and, and not because I'm picking on him. Uh, I like the guy a lot. If we ever talked, I'm sure we'd have a great conversation because I respect him. But I think that at the same time, we've got to realize that there's another level to this stuff. And if you're trying the same thing over and over again and you're not making progress and you're not seeing significant progress in the quality of life of millions of people in your community, then that probably means you're missing a component. And the component that we're probably missing is aggregate wealth. Not individual celebrity wealth. We got plenty of celebrities signing record deals and and, and NBA contracts. That's always going to be there. But the question is, what's happening aggregately with the community? Is there an entity anywhere you can point to that is running controlled by us that can employ 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 black people? Right. Seriously, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for that Elon Musk move, not these not these flashy celebrity Instagram flexes. Nobody cares about that. Grown ass men don't care about how many chains and Gucci belts you show me on Instagram. That means nothing to me. I want to know how your kids are doing. I want to know how your family's doing. I want to know how your community's doing. I want to know if I can go to your hood. How, how come I've been watching your videos for, for 10 years and every video you in the hood and everybody broke in the hood? People, if you're doing so well and you've done so much and you've accomplished so much, it seems to me that your hood wouldn't be a hood anymore. It would be a nice place. There'd be nice businesses. There'd be some black gentrification going on where you would own some assets where people actually have thousands of jobs that are available to them. But why is the hood still looking raggedy like the hood? Well, it's because, you know, you get in this hero worship. You have one shiny Negro sitting out, standing on a pile of dust, right, ruling over the ashes. And you somehow think that's lit. You like that because you like rapping about the trap and how great the trap is and how you like you want to keep the trap as the trap you want to be as frida d says which is a great term you want to be a slumlord stop being a damn slumlord why are you ruling over the ashes there's nothing there's no power in that there's power in 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 in, there's power in people there's power in seeing the people elevate because you exist you know that that's what it is and i think this is where a guy like me that's where a guy like kaepernick and i could definitely see eye to eye he talks about the people all the time. I talk about the people all the time. Well, if we're going to talk about the people, let's talk about what the people really need. And let's see how we can do that. Well, I would say one way to start, if you are an athlete or entertainer or anything, is black ownership must literally be the number one priority for everybody uh, in our community for the next 100 years. If black ownership is literally the number one value system, not, not getting good jobs, not making a lot of money, not being lit on Instagram, but if ownership and job creation is the number one priority, then you will eventually emerge as the victor. But if you don't know how to think that way, if you don't have the people that are willing to do what the Nike founder did and and sit back in the back of a raggedy van and make track shoes with a waffle iron, if you don't have that kind of hustle in your community, then you'll never build the trillion dollar empire. It just won't happen. It don't happen. Flashy Negroes don't really become the powerful people. They just look powerful. They just sound powerful. You got to learn how to see through that. I talk to my daughters about that all the time, about how to look through the flashy Negroes. Never, ever think that a man's doing well just because he shows you how much money he's wasted and how much, how many consumer items he's buying. That, that's not power. Power comes from intelligence. Power comes from having a plan. Power comes from ownership. Power comes from, from investing. That, that, that's, that's real power. So anyway, I'm going to go, guys. That's my two cents. I hope that it was taken in the spirit it was intended. 
Um, I believe in us, and and this is what led me to have this conversation. God told me to do it, so I'm not going to not listen to God when it comes to talking to y'all. It just literally came to me last night, and that's what I wanted to discuss. All right, guys, uh, just a quick warning. I've heard that some people come into my chat sometimes, and they pretend to be me, and they invite you to join like a WhatsApp group, or or they DM you and all that. That ain't me. I'm not D. I don't. I don't get out and DM nobody. I'm too busy. I'm not inviting you to a WhatsApp group. So so if you see that, then please report that person because some of these people are scammers from other countries and they're getting actual money out of people. So I want you to be safe. So if you see any of that activity occurring, please 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 report that person. Also, if everybody could uh, give me a yes in the chat, if you could just take this video and share it, maybe on your social media, that would really uh, really help us a lot. So if you could agree to do that for us, I would appreciate that very much. So feel free to go to boycewalkins.com. There's a lot of good stuff up there. If you're on Instagram, hit the link in the bio, and I'll be back again soon. God bless you guys. Take care, and uh, I hope you have a wonderful day. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.